Good morning. Uh, just a couple things to note today before we begin our worship. Um, uh, there are things going on, less things and different things. Uh, one of the things we are trying to do is sort of beef up our our IT um, committee and the folks that can work, work that kind of thing. Um, even apart from the current situation, um, we're, we're beginning to realize more and more the IT ministry is very much an important part of what churches do nowadays. And uh, so, I mean, everything from helping with the, the things, the many things the youth do to um, our security protocols to our social media, you know, footprint and all those kind of things. Um, that takes a certain kind of expertise, one that I don't have any knowledge of really. And, um, you know, so we're hunting for more people that might be able to uh, be a part of that. And, and if, you, if that's something that you might that interest you and you could want to volunteer and help with some of those kind of things, uh, contact the main office. We'll eventually ultimately get you a hold of, uh, link you up with Gary Nally, um, who's just doing a wonderful job um, in, in sort of organizing all that and putting it on, on in, in, in good order. And so it is important. It is an important ministry. Um, but also, uh, we are still looking for a few teachers uh, for our preschool starting this fall. Things are starting up, and we will have preschool. And I know a, a good number of uh, they've. Uh, um, signed up this last uh, few weeks, but there's still a few openings. So if that's something that uh, you would be called to do, I really encourage you, again, contact the main office or you can contact the preschool office, uh, Amy Cardinale. Well, good morning, everybody. This is the day that the Lord's made, and so let's rejoice and be glad in it. This isn't the day that I would have liked for the Lord to have made. Y'all know the difference, right? Like, like I would like everyone to be in here without their masks on and, and uh, for us to be filled up today and for those of you who are watching at home to feel comfortable enough to be here and, and we get why you're not. I had a hundred phone calls over the last two weeks, maybe not a hundred, but a bunch of different people and kind of having this discussion, hey, we're not gone, we, we love you guys, just right now where our family is, we need to stay home and stay safe and we affirm that and we think that's really good. Uh, just listen, let's not get out of the habit of meeting together, so if you come in person, come in person, if you stay in the habit of or if you're in the, the habit of staying at home to keep your family safe, continue to be part of worship on the Lord's Day. And I want to call us all to worship this morning by professing our faith together. It's a very good habit for us. It, it kind of says to the world, and it says to our children, and it says to anyone who will listen what we believe to be the true faith in Jesus. And so we're going to say together the Apostles' Creed. I want to invite you to stand if you can. And I'm going to begin by asking you this question. Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. As, uh, as Rick comes up here to lead us in song, let me just say this. Our worship director, uh, Nathan Lockie, uh, was gone two weeks ago because he was exposed to COVID, and we uh, knew that he needed to stay away. Uh, last week, he got married, and so it was really a, a great celebration for him and his family. 
Unfortunately, like the best man in his wedding and, and the best man's girlfriend or wife, I can't remember, both ended up coming down after the wedding with COVID. So Nathan is again exposed. And so we said, Nathan, stay at home again. And so we have a lot of great people who are standing in and leading worship and songs. Rick's one of those. It's been, a, it's been an interesting week. We have some, some dear people in our church that we love who are in ICU with COVID. We lost someone in our community who actually passed away this last week from COVID. And so I ask you to be in prayers for all those who are in our community who are, who are suffering with this. Uh, let's now enjoy the ministry of music. Thank you, Rick, for singing. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels descending bring from above Echoes of mercy, whispers of love This is my story, this is my song Praising my Savior all the day long This is my story, this is my song Praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I in my Savior am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above. Filled with his goodness, lost in his love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long.
prophet writes, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. And I will find this, I fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, you have declared your hand of providence as a great shaking, bringing everything to dust that is not your word. Establishing that which cannot be shaken, your eternal kingdom. We love your former works of deliverance of the nation of Israel. We love more the greater glory of your deliverance of the nations in the sacrificial cross and the victorious resurrection of your Son. Father, give us this day eyes to see and ears to hear those things which have not entered into the heart of man. Give us a vision of that which is above and beyond all that we can ask or think, that which leaves our love for this world a pale loss for the precious, precious riches of your truth, and that which touches our lives in such a way as to make all our words, thoughts, and deeds treasures stored in heaven. Merciful Lord, help us to love one another, being kind, tender-hearted forgiving each other just as God in Christ has also forgiven us. Let us not forget that we are eternally joined together as your holy family 
and that we share a calling that empowers us to forgive and to be forgiven. Merciful Lord, help us to love our neighbor, knowing that your grace is given to sinners made in your image. Let us not forget that we also were once in darkness, children of wrath. And merciful Lord, help us to love our enemies, showing ourselves as sons of your Father, of our Father. Let us not forget that you caused the sun to rise on the evil and the good, the rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. Father, bless now our giving and our tithes and offerings, for you love cheerful givers. We ask this and all things in the name of your peace, which rests forever on our Lord Jesus Christ, praying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
joy for the morning, O sinner, be still. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. So lay down your burdens, lay down your shame. All who are broken, lift up your face. Thou shalt not covet uh, thou pastor's freedom to take his mask off when he preaches, right? I, well, Jim took his off last week, and I was sitting there watching, and I thought, oh my goodness, that looks wonderful. Was, uh, there's some days that, like, that, that, that uh, I can wear the mask uh, for a long time, and it doesn't bother me. Well, there's other days, I don't know what it is about, uh, about our body. Or something. I, just, I can't seem to get my hair. Um, so I thank you guys for wearing your mask. I know that's a, a tough thing to ask, and it, it it's worth it to hear the Word of God proclaimed, and that's what we're going to do today then. Uh, we continue in our study on the Ten Commandments by looking at the Eighth Commandment today. It's a short commandment, and it's a commandment that says, you shall not steal. It's probably really one of the most predictable of all of human behaviors. If, I mean, it's a very, you, you do a, a, a experiment, it's very easy. Take, take two babies, put them on the floor, give one baby a really cool toy. That's it. You're going to find out that the very nature of humanity is to steal. The kid who doesn't have the cool toy is going to crawl over there, and they're going to attempt to take it away from the one who does. I have, I have two dogs. One's really little. One, one's big. And, and eventually we're going to have two full-grown dogs one day. And, and I don't know if you've ever gone to the, to the dog park with two dogs. If you have two big dogs that like to fetch and you throw one stick, guess what happens? Whoever gets there first better get ready to protect that stick, because the other dog is going to try to take it away. It's animalistic, and it's also part of human nature. If someone has something that you don't, and it's something that you want, the most basic primal urge of the unregenerate heart is to figure out how to take it. 
Just figure out how to get it. And that's, if you think about it, it's why we, part of why we have governments, it's part of why we have police, so that the stronger person isn't always able to manhandle uh, the other person to taking their property. We kind of ha- want to have a government where the government is the strongest man in the room. It's stronger than an individual who would take away from people. But if we're honest, there's a lot of ways to steal from people. Now, you don't have to be big and strong to be a thief. To steal from someone, you can just be sneaky and crafty. Have you ever had anything stolen from you? I think that's the first question to ask. You ever had anything stolen from you? I'd be shocked if there was anyone in this room who, who could honestly say, no, I've never, never had anything taken from me. Uh, most of us have experienced some sort of theft of our own personal property. Maybe it was a wallet or a, or a backpack. Uh, some of us have uh, maybe entrusted our money into somebody, and that person has embezzled a large sum of our money. So we've, we've experienced this in different ways. Um, I've got a lot of stories about when I've had things stolen from me. I think it partly because I'm very trusting. Another part is because I'm probably very sloppy and foolish. I remember one time, it was kind of a different time in my life. I was, I was doing youth ministry, and I was living in, on the coast in South Carolina. We lived in Myrtle Beach for a while, and I worked at this church. It was Ocean Drive Presbyterian Church. And um, it, it, interestingly enough, I could look out the window of my office and see the ocean. And I was probably 24 and decided that I needed to start doing things to keep myself in better shape. And I, the, the great idea of a 24-year-old, how do you do that? Well, that's easy. You get up before work and you go surfing. And so you, you try to go surfing every day before work. And so I had a, a board that I would strap to the top of my, my truck and, and I'd go out there. And, and I, was, I was trying to get myself disciplined to do this. And the first time I did it, I went to you know, the public parking right there by the beach. I, I pulled my board down, take my shirt off, take my clothes off, get my you know, alt change that I was going to wear there take my wallet, throw it in the door, phone, throw it in the door, and start off. I've got the keys, and that's all I have with me in my board. And what I recognize is like, man, I'm going to drop these keys in the ocean, and it's going to be real hard to get home. You know, I'm not going to have keys to anything. And so I, I did what any really responsible person would do. Where do the keys go? They go on the tire, right? So, so I went back, and over the passenger, or actually driver's side, real tire, I put my keys there, and I turned with my board to leave, and these two nice guys on the beach just waved at me, hey, man. And I waved back, and, and I realized that they watched me the whole time, but I didn't care. They were really nice. They waved and surfed, got home, went back to the office. Uh, somewhere in my time at the office, I go, man, I don't have my phone on me. I need to go back to the truck. Back to the truck. Phone's gone. Wallet. Cash is gone. Those nice guys at the beach had, uh, had waved at me, gone over, gotten my keys, unlocked my door, taken my phone, cleaned out my wallet, and they were nice enough to put my keys right back there on the tire. I'm sure that you could tell me stories of, of, like that where people had stolen from you. And you know what? When people steal from you, doesn't it make you angry? It makes me angry. And often the problem is you have no one to be angry at because you don't know who did it. You, I can assume those guys did it, but all that is is an assumption. Thieves seldom look you in the eye. I want to talk more about this commandment not to steal and I want to do the tough work of, of really evaluating our own hearts to see if there are ways that you and I actually break the Eighth Commandment and steal. I think there's, there is great value in that kind of work of, of self-examination. Uh, let's first read together the, the Ten Commandments found in Exodus 20, and then let's read Ephesians 4, verse 28. Um, as we read God's Word, I want to invite you now, if you're able, to stand. It's just a way of showing reverence to the Word of God read. And uh, as we prepare to read it, let's have a word of prayer. 
Father, we thank you for your word revealed to us, and we pray for your spirit now, that your spirit would so indwell us that we would be convicted by the word and the law that we read today, and that that conviction would lead us to repentance. We pray this in the name of Jesus, and all the church said, amen. Do now the word of the Lord, Exodus 20, beginning in the first verse. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting iniquity on the fathers of the children to the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. And now Ephesians 4.28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Church, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever, and this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. You know, there's actually a a whole lot of ways to break the Eighth Commandment. A whole lot of ways to steal. Uh, Two weeks ago, I preached on the Sixth Commandment, and kind of the logic of building that sermon was to say, hey, there's there's four ways that that you can commit murder. Remember, we went through homicide, suicide, abortion, and hate. And, and, and I thought about using that same logic when I could, you know, was putting this sermon together. But what I realized is I would have a 48, a 58-point sermon because there's so many different ways for stealing. The Hebrew word for, for stealing, which appears in the Eighth Commandment, has a broad meaning. The word is, is genaf. And roughly translated, it means to, to carry something away by stealth. Right, so so if I if I carry your computer away by stealth, I'm stealing it, and if I carry your credit card away by stealth, I'm stealing. So you, you get the point there. It's, it's it's where that kind of that, that idea that word comes from. To be a little bit more detailed, the eighth commandment pertains to any way you might obtain someone else's property illegally, and there's a lot of ways to do this. Just let's just talk about maybe the way the U.S. government uh, kind of categorizes some of these things. We have we have burglary. That's when you break into someone's home or business to steal from them. There's robbery, which is when you use violence or intimidation to steal from somebody. There's larceny, 
Larceny is taking property without permission and not returning it. There's hijacking. I think we probably all know what hijacking is. You, you take uh, uh, goods from a vehicle or you take a vehicle while it's in transit. There's shoplifting when you walk into a store and you take merchandise without paying for it. There's pickpocketing, purse, purse snatching. There's embezzlement. That's when someone's trusted you with their money and you uh, take that money from them. There's extortion. That's when you use your authority or uh, misuse your authority or, or use threats to take money. And it's on and on and on. That is not exhaustive. I hope you see what I mean when I say that there are a lot of ways to steal. I cannot stress to you enough that the nature of the human heart, whether you believe it or not about yourself, the nature of the human heart is to steal. Citizens steal from the government. By the way, they, they lie on their taxes by the way that they file false social security claims or false disability claims, the government steals from its citizens. They, they misappropriate tax funds. They uh, drive up the national debt. They're, they have wasteful uses. Employees steal from employers. They falsify time cards. They, they call in sick when they just want a day off. Or a lot of times, they just flat out take merchandise and ask anyone who works for uh, security in a, in a big merchandise chain, uh, a Macy's or something like that, they'll let you know that one of the greatest risks for losing merchandise within a store isn't customers, it's employees. Large corporations steal from the public. They misrepresent their, and they cook their books, they hide their losses in offshore accounts. And everywhere you look, is this more and more creativity to steal and to take. People will counterfeit money, stealing. People will counterfeit valuable art, stealing. Valuable stamps, even, uh, even like sports cards, like uh, baseball cards are, are, are forged. People will forge checks. People will roll back odometers on old cars. There's no limit to the creativity of a thief. I think that you're really lucky if you get through life mostly without drawing the attention of one of these wretched thieves. The problem is for me right now is that I seem to have come under the attention of a certain thief right now. Let me, let me tell you about that. Um, apparently, it became the, this, this popular scam, something called, I think it's called a bot that they use. It's a computer program on the internet, and it's, it's, it's programmed to go to websites and to take information off and to gather information. And apparently, there's this new scam to go after churches. And what they do is they they send the bot out, and the bot is a program. It, it, it figures out who the pastor is, and then it goes to the rest of the, the website, and it figures out, are there names of any people in the church, and do we have any of their contact information? And so what's been happening over the last probably two and a half years is that people in Lakeside at random times will get an email from me going, hey, it's Tyson, your pastor. Hey, I was wondering if you could give me some money. And and or it'll send them a text message. Most of the time, that's not me. Uh, you should probably call just to make sure. You know, sometimes it could be. Who knows? Uh, but there's just no end to this creativity of thieves. In 1936, uh, the Saturday Evening Post had an interesting cover. The cover was called, uh, had a picture on it called Tipping the Scales. It looks like a, a, a Norman Rockwell painting, but it's not. Um, it, it, it's a painting by a woman by the name of Leslie Thrasher. And what's interesting about this is you've got these pretty mild-mannered, older, honest people 
And if you look, one is a butcher, and he's apparently selling, I guess, a chicken or a turkey to his customer, this, this little old lady. And if you pay attention to his finger, he's trying to add to the weight of the scale. And if you pay attention to her finger, she's trying to take away from the weight of the scale. They're both attempting to steal from one another. This is, it's a commentary on human nature. And what basically uh, the, the artist here was saying is that all people have a tendency to steal in these little ways that they think are not big ways. Many of us are not going to break into, I don't think not any of us really, probably in this room are going to break into anyone's home and try to take their property. But I do think that in a lot of ways, a lot of us, a lot of you, have tendencies to put your finger on the scale of certain situations in your life. And what's funny is, it's not just that, you know, a lot of people want to steal from someone who's rich because they go, they have a lot, they're not going to miss it. But people steal from anybody, anywhere. And for example, um, Lakeside's mission committee, we uh, meet together to make decisions about how to uh, meet the needs of people in our local community and in the world that we have mission relationships with. And we, we met together last week to reappropriate some funds. We, we had some unspent stuff. We want to make sure uh, it's important to us that, that if we say we're going to spend money in a given year on missions, that it actually leaves our pockets and it doesn't go back into our bank accounts. So at the end of the year, we had some unspent money. So we said, okay, who are we giving it away to? And um, one of the things we want to do is make sure we send some money to the King's Children's Home. Now, I want to tell you about that place. King's Children's Home is a special place. It's home to some of the poorest children in all of Central America. And about 30 years ago, a woman named Leone, a friend of mine, would start this orphanage. And Leone has one of the most heartbreaking testimonies that I've ever heard in my entire life. Leone had an, an abusive father, and uh, she grew up under his abuse, and, and uh, it got so bad that she eventually gave birth to her father's baby. And uh, she was able to get away from her father and to kind of make a poor living on her own. And somewhere in the midst of that, uh, she heard a rumor about another girl who was going through the same thing she went through as a younger lady. And so in addition to raising her father's baby um, on her own, a baby who had some disabilities, as you could imagine, she took in this other young girl who was also being abused. And it wasn't much after that that there became rumors of another girl. And so she had another child with her, and then another, and another, and another. And before long, Leone, who was once an abused woman, became this national institution in Belize. She had gotten the reputation of being the kind of person who would raise orphans. Long story short, uh, the government even started bringing to, kids to her. They were like, hey, hey, listen, here's, here's a so-and-so kid. We don't know what else to do with them. We heard you take kids. And they would bring kids, but they would not bring money. And so the amount of kids that she had kept growing, no government assistance from the country of Belize. Um, I first met Leone about 12 years ago. I was down uh, with a church from Texas down there, and I'd always heard about Leone and King's Children's Home, but I, but I finally got to go into her home where she had the kids. At that time, 12 years ago, it was about a 2,000-square-foot home. The one that struck me about the house is uh, every room had little tiny bunk beds, and some of them, I think, were even three high. And um, the, the, the wall, I remember the hallways 
were really, really thin. And so that when I would go through the hallways, you, could, you had to turn sideways if you were going to pass somebody. In this 2,000-square-foot home in Belize, she had 40 children living with her. 40 orphans, zero government assistance, and, and basically they relied on ministries like the Word at Work, who's a partner of ours, and, and churches in the states who the Word at Work really would tell about them, and other churches around the United States who would send money. Fast forward just a little bit, about, about eight years ago, uh, my father and I heard about, my father-in-law and I heard about an opportunity to go and work on uh, the orphan, they were actually, they were, so this 2,000 square foot home isn't big enough for these 40 kids, we've got to build a real orphanage, and we heard about an opportunity, and we, we went with our church there in Texas, and we, we didn't do a lot, we worked one week, there were groups there that probably worked for two or three years, we worked one, one week to work on this orphanage, and now uh, we've been going as a church in the, in the last few years, every time we go, we stop into the King's home. We, we might have pizza with the kids, uh, we might take the kids swimming, but we always stop in just to see the kids in the orphanage and try to, uh, try to have a good day with them, bless them, do something with them. Three years ago, bad men snuck into the king's home. And when I say that, this whole point is to say this, that people will steal from anybody. They'll steal from orphans. Three years ago, bad men snuck into the, kids, the king's home, and they convinced two young girls to sneak out with them and those young girls were stolen from the king's home. You can imagine what happened after that. Two years ago, the orphanage had acquired cattle so that they could use them to supplement feeding the orphans. Two years ago, thieves came and stole the cattle. Last month, and if you get the email, we send the email out to the church, let everybody know that thieves broke in they, they beat up a child who was tending some chickens, and they stole all the chickens from the orphanage that the orphanage used to feed the orphans. Someone stole food from an orphanage, and they left an orphan bloodied on the floor. People don't just steal from the rich. They steal from anyone. And it's not new. Martin Luther, great theologian, when talking about thieves and stealing, this is what he had to say. He said, only a small portion of thieves are actually hung. If we were to hang them all, if we were to hang all the thieves, where would we ever get enough rope? And then he added, we would have to take our own belts off and use them as nooses. Pretty intense. None of this is even to take into account the way that we have this tendency not just to steal from other people and probably in a sense steal from ourselves, but we really also have a tendency to steal from God. I'm not sure if you've thought that through or if even think that that's something that you might do, but let me, let me say this, that uh, there are a lot of ways in which we steal from God. God has said, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. And when we don't, when we make the Sabbath just like some other day, guess what? We've stolen that day from God. And when you break the law, in a sense, you've stolen obedience from God. And you can take any of the Ten Commandments, you can kind of do this, this kind of this trick with it. You can say, if you bow down to idols, you're stealing God's worship. If you murder, you're stealing life. If you lie, you're stealing the truth. If you commit adultery, you're stealing purity. Almost every breaking of the law is, is stealing from God in one sense or another. The last book of the Old Testament was written by the prophet Malachi. And uh, uh, Malachi addresses the people of Israel 
And, and throughout Malachi, he's always saying this, uh, kind of this hypothetical talk where he says to the people who he's talking to, he's saying, but you say, blah, 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 blah. But you say, he's kind of giving them the things that they say to the Lord, and then he'll answer what they say to the Lord. And so here's what he does. He says, but you say, how have we robbed God? The prophet tells the people that what they say to the Lord is, how have we robbed God? And Malachi says this back. You rob God in your tithes and in your offerings. We don't tend to think about our tithes and offerings that way, do we? We, we don't always consider that the money for our tithes and offerings was always God's. It belonged to him. And when we kept it for ourselves and did not give it, we actually robbed God. So we steal from others and we steal from God. Uh, here's my next question. I've asked earlier in the, in the in the talk, in the, in the sermon, I, I said, have you ever had anything stolen from you? I'm going to flip that a little bit and ask you this. Have you ever stolen from anybody? Have you ever stolen something? When I was, when I, was I can't remember, I was three or four years old, I stole a, a pack of gum from the supermarket. Anybody else ever do something like that? I stole a pack of gum from the supermarket, and, and I, I can remember it very clearly. It was the first thing I ever remember stealing I, I knew it was wrong, uh, but, but here's the deal. I asked my mom for the gum first, and she said no. And I knew, I, I knew about myself. I said, I, I'm sneaky enough to steal this. And so I, I slipped the gum into my pocket, and no one caught on. It was actually really, really easy to steal the gum. And I thought to myself, I'm really good at this. I'm a great thief. I might be the greatest thief ever. I just wasn't smart enough to chew that gum in private. And so um, we get back to the car, and here I am chomping down on, on some gum, and Mom busts me. She looks back, she's like, hey, where did you get that gum from? Isn't that the gum you asked for? And I, I hadn't thought that far ahead. I didn't have an answer prepared, so I gave the, the normal three- and four-year-old answer. I said, I don't know. I, I don't know where I got it. And so she took me back inside. And she marched me up to the supermarket manager. Any of y'all ever experienced something like this? She marched me up to the supermarket manager. It's not a great day for me, right? Not a great day. Uh, but it was really good parenting. Like, I, I think back to that. I'm really appreciative of that. Mom kind of made me do the hard thing. She made me go back in there and look this manager in the eye. And she made me hand that manager, like, this half-chewed pack of gum. And I remember my mom say, saying to me, she's like, tell him what you did. You know, I remember those words and, and that shame. And uh, listen, do you, do you know what I was thinking when I stole that gum? It's very simple. Uh, my thought at the time was, I really want some gum. And my mom is not going to provide said gum to me, so I'll get it myself. See, my mom was trying to parent. She was trying to give me wise counsel. But I didn't really trust her. I really wanted gum. So I took things into my own hands, quite literally, what, what, what I've since come to realize and how this story fits into the greater narrative of, of stealing here is that um, all our stealing kind of fits that same model. And, and if you'll stick with me and just give me, like, just give me a few minutes, I'll explain how it all kind of fits together. One of the things we really value and trust and love here at Lakeside is we believe that our God is sovereign. And if you're not a Christian, or maybe you're not really familiar with that word, it, it kind of means that he controls all things, that God orders all of our days, he controls all of our world. And we believe that if, if we have wealth, the reason that we have wealth is because 
God chose to bless us with wealth based on his sovereign will. So, so what we have is ours because God gave it, he willed it. At the same time, we believe that, that if we are struggling with poverty, it's because God chose to bless us with poverty. I know that can be hard to understand, to, to see um, poverty as a blessing, and maybe you could even think that that's a real thing, a, a privilege to say that, that I see poverty as a blessing. Uh, but I think that's because you equate uh, wealth with happiness, and you equate poverty with suffering. But it's not always the case. Ask anyone in our church who's been to, to Belize recently, or ask anyone who's been to a country where poverty is a real deal, and uh, ask them if they see sadness in the poverty. And I think what they're going to tell you is that Belize, even though it is very, uh, a very poverty-stricken place, is one of the most joyful places on the earth, and that way of life is very much a blessing from God. I believe that God gives us what we need, whether it be a little or a lot. We don't all have the same stuff. You don't have what I have. I don't have what you have. We have what God gave us, and that's it. Here's uh, where this deals with stealing. Stealing comes from a heart that is not content, and it comes from a heart that does not trust God to provide. Right? If, provide if God provides all that our wealth, whether it be little or big, and you think you need to steal, because you, tr you don't trust that God is going to provide for you. Look at Matthew 6, 31 through 33. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things are going to be added to you. In other words, don't worry about what you have. Trust in God to provide. There's a way that that story of me stealing gum because my mother wouldn't provide it, it's the same kind of thing. I didn't trust my mom without, that she was, she, I thought she was withholding gum and, and she, was, she was doing it because it was good for me. Stealing in general is, is the result of, of you not trusting that God will provide for you everything that you need. And so, so people cheat on their taxes. Because they, they think they need an extra $1,000, that God's not going to meet their needs unless they get that extra $1,000 by cheating on their taxes. You, you know, every time I go to Walmart and I'm, I'm checking out, I'm at one of those self-checkout things, which I love, by the way. I don't know why. I, I think those things are great. I, I think that uh, sometime in my life, getting to be older, I'm becoming more of an introvert. I used to be a huge extrovert, but now I'm like, I can check out and I don't have to talk to anybody. And every time I am, I get to the steaks or the meat and I'm like, man, this stuff's so expensive. I could put it in that bag and no one would know. I mean, every time, I've never once stolen in my entire life, uh, except for the gum and several other things. But I've never stolen from Walmart in my adult life. Uh, uh, but, but every time I'm there, I'm sitting there thinking, this would be so easy. But it would just mean that I didn't trust God to take care of and feed my family. That's what it would mean. Every time we steal, it's a lack of trusting God. If I had my guess, most families who worship at Lakeside are, are pretty honest folks. I look at you all, and yeah, most of you, most of you are pretty, pretty honest folks. I don't think you're going to break anyone's home. I don't think you're going to pull a knife on someone. Um, but that doesn't mean that you and I both aren't guilty of breaking the Eighth Commandment. If you've, if you've been with us as we walk through the other Ten Commandments, I think what you should see is 
If you spend enough time in reflection on any of the one commandments, you're going to realize that you've broken it and you break it regularly. It's, it's kind of the idea that, remember the, the scale and, and the man pushing down, the woman pushing up? The whole point was the author was saying everyone does it. Remember when Luther was, was talking about thieves in the world, he's like, listen, we don't have enough rope to hang all the thieves in the world. We have to start using our belts. I mean, this idea that it's universal. We steal, okay? We get it. Yet, according to a George Barna research poll, um, evangelical Christians, 90% of them claim, that's you and me in case you were forgetting that, 90% of evangelical Christians claim to have never broken the Eighth Commandment. So either just being a Christian makes us really good people, which it doesn't, or we're just not really self-aware. We don't realize we do it, and we don't realize how, how big and how, how, what, what is fully entailed in the Eighth Commandment. So are you innocent? I guess that's my question. Are you innocent when it comes to the Eighth Commandment? Hopefully you know that by now that question is a setup. Some of you have, have cheated others. Some of you have lied in business. Some of you have stolen something when no one was looking. Some of you have even stolen from God by your worship or by your stewardship. At the heart of the issue is this idea of God's sovereignty. God has provided everyone with stuff. He's given you some stuff. He's given me some stuff. But all of our stuff comes from him as a gift. Now, if I go and I steal your stuff, I'm stealing what God has given to you. And it's, a, it's an, ins- an assault on God's providence in your life. The only reason that anyone has anything is because it comes from God. And we don't have the right to take God's gifts away from someone else for ourselves. Now, there's a, there's a flip coin to understanding that. Um, the flip coin is this, that, that when it comes to the stuff that God has given to us, this idea of personal property, we are required to use what God gives to us in ways that please God. All the gifts that God has given to you are for God's purposes. Uh, There's a real sense that the Eighth Commandment isn't just about stealing, but it's about understanding personal property and God's sovereignty and how to use and think about stuff. Here's how Paul talks about this in Ephesians 4. 28. Let's put that up again. This is kind of our solution to the problem of being universally thieves. Let the thief no longer steal, okay? But rather, let him labor. We begin to see like opposition in between working and stealing. He's trying to paint this picture between opposition. So, so don't steal, rather labor. And, and, you know, how do you steal? You steal with your hands. How do you labor? You labor with your hands. If you're going to ask a man not to steal with his hands, you better keep his hands busy doing something else. Put him to work. He labors, doing honest work with his own hands. So, so that, and the purpose of all this, the so that, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. The suggestion is, is that the answer to, to, to stop being a thief is to stop stealing and instead live a life of honest work before the Lord. And if you work hard here, Scripture says, you will have something to share with anyone in need. Isn't that funny, that this idea that when you labor with your hands, the result is income, which comes from God, 
And the purpose of that income, at least in the long term, is generosity to others. So that's the very opposite of being a thief. Right? If you work hard, God provides, and you get to, instead of stealing someone else's blessing, you get to bless someone else with God. In conclusion, let me say this. Friends, we are all thieves. We still, when we think no one will know, we steal from each other, we steal from God. And the reason is that we don't trust God to provide. So here is my charge to you this morning. Trust the Lord to meet your needs. Don't sin to acquire wealth. Choose instead to, to, to work hard. That you may be entrusted with, with an abundance. And that instead of taking away God's gift from people, you could choose to be a blessing in your generosity. This is the eighth commandment. Thou shalt not steal. Let's pray together. Father, we confess to you that we are thieves. We have taken from people the gifts that you have given to them and we have tried to use them for our own purposes, God. And in many real ways, we deny you the worship you deserve and thus steal it from you. We deny you the, the, the tithes and the offerings that you deserve and thus steal it from you. We are not good stewards always, Lord. Bring conviction and bring repentance. It is such a great mercy to be convicted. It is such a great mercy for the Spirit to give us the ability to repent, that we may have peace with God. Our hope is not in this law, Lord, but, but this law does point us to our hope, which is the blood of Christ Jesus, who washes away the sins of the world. Father, we worship you, and we worship that Lamb, Christ Jesus, our Lord. We come to you today, uh, gathered in worship, as a thankful people content in our life with the gifts that you've given us. You are a good God. Make us content. Make us a blessing to others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's enjoy the ministry of music once more. Open hearts, oh let 
proclamation of the Word of God is not a one-man job. It, it, somebody gets up here, and whether it's Jim or I, and we read Scripture, uh, we pray a lot, the Holy Spirit helps us, and, and we come up with some things to say, and, and our, our goal is to clearly articulate what the Word of God says. But if you don't examine your own heart by what is said, and the Holy Spirit is not in that process, word isn't going to change you and so i guess my challenge for you is to examine your heart it may not always feel like you're a thief but i think you might just have broken the eighth commandment to steal and have the opportunity to have something to repent for um, stealing is always a lack of trust that god will provide for you um, god will meet your needs all of them Work hard. Without God's blessing, you might have more than enough and be able to share and be a blessing to others. Go now and take with you the love of God, the grace of Christ Jesus, the Son, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit until we meet again. Let's enjoy the ministry of music once more. Ain't you words ever true Changing me and changing Open hearts, oh let